Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, uproar over the stunning report about the president and America's troops. The article alleging the president of the United States denigrated our fallen men and women in uniform, calling them suckers and losers. The president strongly denying it. It was a totally fake story. And Joe Biden today blasting the president, demanding an apology. My son volunteered and joined the United States military. He wasn't a sucker. Labor Day COVID warning. Health officials pleading with Americans to celebrate the holiday safely, insisting Labor Day will set the course for the fall and winter, and a key model predicting more than 400,000 deaths by January 1st. Good afternoon. Also tonight, Jacob Blake making his first public appearance since he was shot in the back by police officers, leaving him paralyzed. The Antifa supporter wanted for murdering a far-right activist in Portland killed by law enforcement. What he said right before he died. Dangerous heat wave. More than 50 million Americans will feel record-breaking temperatures out west. And on the road with Steve Hartman. How a four-year-old trespassed his way into a neighbor's heart. This is the CBS Evening News with Laura O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Nora is off tonight. I'm Chip Reed. We begin tonight with growing outrage in the wake of an explosive report claiming the president insulted members of the military who sacrificed their lives for this nation. In the report, the Atlantic magazine says the president privately referred to fallen American troops as, quote, suckers and losers. Moments ago, the president said the report is a hoax and called Americans in uniform heroes. His election opponent, Joe Biden's 
spared no time in blasting him today. Biden was in Wilmington, Delaware, where he lashed out at the president, invoking the service of his late son, Beau, and others who volunteered for the military. Biden also spoke about the economy, which today offered a glimmer of hope in the middle of a pandemic, gaining nearly 1.4 million jobs last month, the unemployment rate falling to 8.4 percent, though the pace of growth remains slow. All of this is happening as America prepares to celebrate Labor Day. With earlier COVID searches sparked by Memorial Day and July 4th gatherings, today health officials are sounding the alarm and urging Americans to act responsibly. We'll have more on that in just a moment. But first, we begin with our reporters covering two fronts tonight, the president, his rival, and those stunning allegations. Here's CBS's Weijia Jiang at the White House. Chip, in addition to calling that article a hoax, saying it was made up by fake sources, the president called The Atlantic a dying magazine that's just trying to gain some sort of relevance. Many members of the military and their loved ones don't see it that way. It was a totally fake story. President Trump adamantly denied claims he called fallen U.S. soldiers losers and suckers for getting killed. It was a terrible thing that somebody could say the kind of things, and especially to me. The president allegedly made the comments while in France in 2018 as part of his reason for not visiting a cemetery near Paris where American troops are buried. According to the report, Mr. Trump canceled the trip because he feared his hair would become disheveled in the rain. Ten sources, ten, went on the record debunking these lies. The White House insists the cemetery visit was canceled due to weather, but backlash to the bombshell story brewed quickly. My son, Matthew, is not a loser. Gold Star families rebuked the president in a new ad, and retired Major General Paul Eaton posted this direct message. You're no patriot. Let me tell you about a patriot. My father was killed in Vietnam. The article also said that when Senator John McCain died, President Trump told senior staffers we're not going to support that loser's funeral. Mr. Trump insisted he never called McCain a loser, but he has a long history of publicly criticizing the late senator. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? The president also claimed that he was proud to honor McCain's death in 2018. But former Trump administration official Miles Taylor wrote, That's not true. You were angry that DHS notified federal buildings to lower the flags for Senator McCain. I would know because your staff called and told me. Tonight, President Trump declared his love for the military and said that nobody has done more to build it up than him. Given the fact that veterans make up such a large chunk of his base, the White House and the campaign are looking to put this behind them as quickly as possible. Chip. Thanks, Ouija. Today, a visibly angry Joe Biden condemned President Trump's alleged insults against fallen American troops. Biden, whose late son Beau served in Iraq, spoke in starkly personal terms as he called on the president to apologize. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. An irate Joe Biden today called the president's reported comments disgusting and un-American. If these statements are true, the president should humbly apologize to every gold star mother and father and every blue star family that he's denigrated and insulted. Who the heck does he think he is? 
Biden himself never served in uniform, but his late son, Beau, did. When my son volunteered and joined the United States military as the attorney general and went to Iraq for a year, he wasn't a sucker. The service men and women he served with, particularly those who did not come home, were not losers. The former vice president originally planned to focus his day on the economy, but said the president's remarks made him the closest he's come to losing his temper on the campaign trail. Aren't there a lot of people out there who are supporting you or inclined to not vote for the president who would say, why isn't Joe Biden angrier about all of this? Getting down in the gutter like the president does, saying things that I'd be inclined if we were behind a barn somewhere, would be a different thing. But that's not the job of a president. Mail-in voting kicked off in the key swing state of North Carolina today with a record 600,000 absentee ballots sent out. The president has consistently attacked voting by mail, and this week he's urged supporters who do vote by mail to also go to the polls in person. Send in your early ballot and then go and make sure that ballot is tabulated or counted. And if it's not counted, vote. How many times... Does this president have to suggest things and say things where you all don't just write, he's a fraud? With Biden and the president both scheduled to attend 9-11 commemoration ceremonies next Friday in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, I asked the former vice president if he'd be willing to share the stage with Mr. Trump. He said he would because, quote, he is still the president of the United States. Chip? Thank you, Ed. Now to that urgent warning from public health officials to celebrate the Labor Day weekend responsibly or face a new spike in coronavirus cases. COVID-19 has killed more than 187,000 Americans, and one widely used model predicts the death toll could reach 410,000 by the end of the year. CBS's Nikki Batiste is at the Jersey Shore tonight. Nikki? Chip, going into Labor Day, the U.S. COVID-19 caseload is nearly double what it was during Memorial Day weekend. But states across the country are still loosening restrictions. Here in New Jersey, today is the first day restaurants are allowed to have indoor dining in nearly six months, but only at 25 percent capacity. At the Wonder Bar in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Hi, kids. Manager Debbie DeLisa says tables and chairs have been set six feet apart in preparation for their first inside diners since March. We try to be really safe when we set up our tables in here. The whole stigma of people being afraid to be indoors is sort of calming down right now. As some restrictions loosen across the country amid the holiday weekend, health officials worry less social distancing will lead to more outbreaks at large gatherings. Like last month's motorcycle rally in Sturgis, South Dakota, now linked to more than 300 cases and at least one death. This virus tends to spread in clusters. What that means is that if there are a large group of people together, then a large number of them can become infected. We would expect the holiday weekend to produce at least a few of those. COVID cases are growing nationwide. Nearly four times the number of states are reporting increases compared to two weeks ago. And tonight, there's confusion over when a vaccine will be available after the CDC told states to prepare for distribution as soon as late October. Two Trump administration officials now saying that may be ambitious. 
It's extremely unlikely, but not impossible, and therefore it's the right thing to do to be prepared in case. Meanwhile, a new poll shows almost half of Americans say they won't get a COVID-19 vaccine when it's first available, and almost one in four say they never want it. There was some positive economic news today, but it comes with a caveat. The U.S. unemployment rate fell sharply in August to 8.4 percent from 10.2 the previous month. Economists say part of the sharp drop is because businesses are recalling workers, not creating new jobs. Back in Asbury Park, Debbie DeLisa says indoor dining might not be enough. How has the coronavirus impacted Wonder Bar financially? It's impacted it severely. The numbers are astronomical what we're going to lose this year. Health experts say if you are planning to go to the beach this weekend, it's still a good idea to wear a mask, especially if it's crowded. Chip, the fall brings new coronavirus concerns with the dangerous combination of back to school, flu season and colder weather forcing people indoors. Nikki, thanks. Today, we saw Jacob Blake for the first time since he was shot seven times in the back by police almost two weeks ago. He made a video court appearance from his hospital bed. Blake is paralyzed from the waist down after officers fired on him, leading to nationwide unrest. Blake pleaded not guilty to three counts related to an earlier domestic abuse charge. Those are the charges he was wanted for at the time of the shooting. Tonight, a man suspected in the fatal shooting of a right-wing protester in Portland last weekend is dead after a dramatic confrontation with law enforcement. Officers closed in on the suspect shortly after he appeared to admit to the earlier shooting in a televised interview. Here's CBS's Lilia Luciano. A violent end to a violent act. Authorities last night killed the man suspected of gunning down right-wing protester Aaron J. Danielson. Before his death, Michael Rynell all but confessed to the shooting. Had I not acted, I am confident that I would have been killed. After that interview, President Trump tweeted, Why aren't the Portland police arresting the cold-blooded killer? Everybody knows who this thug is. But he seemed to defend 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse when he argued self-defense in the killing of two protesters in Kenosha. I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, he probably would have been killed. Today, U.S. Attorney General William Barr called Rynell a dangerous fugitive, adding the streets of our cities are safer with this violent agitator removed. Images of chaotic clashes have overshadowed the peaceful protests here. Organizers say that undermines their mission. What do you tell people who are looting and setting things on fire? If you do that in the name of Black Lives Matter, you're not for us. You're actually you're, you're fully against us. The demonstrations have been confined to 10 locations in Portland, mostly government buildings, while in the rest of the city, daily life seems to carry on, as usual, calm with a message of unity. We want justice and equality. We want to be treated the same. We want to be given the same opportunities. Tonight, Facebook has removed the page of the far-right group that Danielson belonged to. And here in Portland, this weekend marks 100 days of protest. There are events planned across the city and through the weekend on both sides of the issue. People here hope that they won't turn violent. Chip? Lilia, thank you. From Portland, we turn to Rochester, New York, where seven police officers have been suspended more than five months after Daniel Prude died as a result of being asphyxiated. Today, the police union said the officers did as they were taught, 
But that raises serious questions about whether police are best equipped to deal with people suffering from mental illness. CBS's Jerika Duncan reports from Rochester. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Right before Daniel Prude's naked body was restrained on the cold ground in handcuffs, his brother had called 911 for help. I told my wife, listen, I think we need to call to try to get him some help because I don't know what to do. Seven days later, a brain-dead Prude was taken off life support. His death was ruled a homicide. Prude's family believes he was suffering from a mental health crisis. Hours earlier, he had been hospitalized. People with untreated mental illness are 16 times more likely to be killed during a police encounter than other civilians approached or stopped by law enforcement. My thing is, how many times can black people be watching black death? Melanie Funches is director of community engagement for the Rochester Mental Health Association. There needs to be an engaged mental health team that goes out for mental health calls, for policing in general. Today, the Rochester Police Union president told me the officers were following their training. Do you think there should be more help for police officers when you talk about dealing with mental health issues? I'll say this. I absolutely believe that we need more help. What we have to understand is, and I don't have all the answers, I don't think anybody does. As the demand for justice and Daniel Prude's death get louder, so too does the desire to address how the country grapples with mental health. Rochester's mayor says after seeing that video of Daniel Prude, the city has committed more funding to mental health partnerships and law enforcement. She's calling it the first steps to a long neglected issue. And many of the protesters I spoke to tonight, Chip, say they agree with that sentiment. Thank you, Jerika. Another record-breaking heat wave is bearing down on the West. 57 million people in California, Nevada, and Arizona are under excessive heat watches and warnings through the Labor Day weekend. Downtown Los Angeles could hit 110 degrees, Sacramento 111, and the forecast for San Diego, Denver, and Salt Lake City all predict 100-degree highs. A second survivor has been rescued in the East China Sea after a cargo ship sank more than two days ago. A deckhand was wearing a life jacket and floating in a raft when he was spotted near a remote island. The ship was carrying 43 crew members and almost 6,000 cattle when it capsized and sank Wednesday in a typhoon. Don't you hate it when a stranger intrudes on your property? And what if it keeps happening? Well, CBS's Steve Hartman has the story of one man who took care of it in his own way. Here's tonight's On the Road. Not long ago, Dave Palazzolo of Salt Lake City, Utah, got one of those smart security cameras. And almost immediately, it captured a trespasser on his driveway. You get the alert and you kind of have an immediate sense of anxiety. Oh, someone's going to do harm to me. That imminent threat? A four-year-old on a joyride. Every night, like clockwork. Ping person at driveway, and you're like, uh, who is it? Oh, it's just that kid again. You're interrupting my Netflix. How old are you? I'm almost 50. You're a little young to be doing the whole get-off-my-lawn thing. I know, right? (laughs) But Dave said something had to be done. So under the cover of darkness, he went out on his driveway and wrote a message to the boy that basically said, kid... You win. The next day... 
you can almost see the look on his face when he gets it, and then he just charges into it. This was in June, and from that day to now, Dave's driveway racetrack has remained. Whenever weather washes it away, he simply draws another. He even built this contraption to keep the line straight and now researches famous race courses for track authenticity. The guy really is serious about his sidewalk chalk. Make sure I get the intersection right. You know, there's a chance you're more into this now than he is. It's entirely possible. Actually, <laughs> let's call it a draw. There's a new one, Dad. This is Quinn discovering Dave's latest creation. You should know, before the security camera went off that first time, Dave had never met Quinn or his family. Yet all summer, he has been helping to raise the boy in this small way. It's been amazing. Quinn's dad, Josh. Um, just that we can be a part of something like that, that we can see the good side of humanity. Feels good. Oh, you're totally beating me. There are a lot of great dads out there. But the true measure of a man is not how he raises his own kids. It's how he raises the village. You totally won. Steve Hartman, CBS News, on the road. Beautiful. Thank you, Steve. Sunday on Face the Nation, guests include former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb and CBS News 60 in 60 correspondent Wes Lowry. Don't forget, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Chip Reed. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast, was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.